0: Praise the Lord, everyone. The Lord. My boys said they no longer were going to their church. they were joining Christ our King. that was their church. <laughs> so that um, shows you how much love that you have shared and expressed to them. so thank you for um, thank you for that love, thank you, thank you. So this morning, um, we're going to be talking about Our God and how God is God alone. I'm going to try to use inclusive language. If I don't, please know that it is because I'm trying to stick to my 15 minutes. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Let us pray. Oh God, we do indeed. Thank you for the opportunity to be in this place. And we ask that you would allow us to know that you are our God. When we're happy, when we're sad, you're still our God. When we're confused or when our, our way is clear, you're still our God. So bless us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Speak to our souls. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, thou who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. When the book dries up, I do love this text, and we're going to go from the 17th chapter all the way to the big showdown at the end of chapter 18, and I invite you for your Bible study this week to maybe read through, because when you, it's like a good book. Once you start reading, you've got to read all the way through. 18 and 19 to get the full breadth of the story. Um, so let me first say that God is God alone. I know some of you may be offended, but God does not need our help. God does not need our, tell your neighbor, God does not need your help because sometimes we, we, we forget about that. God needs your service. See the difference. God does not need your help to be God, but God wants to use his children in order to get the will of God done with, with people on earth. So God needs all of us. And, and I, I, I want to stress that he doesn't need our help because when we feel like we're helping someone, we feel like we're contributing and maybe it can't be done without us. You ever helped and tried to take over? I know there's no one in here. So please, God does not need your help to get God's job done, but he does need your service. And in this text, God is angry. Now, let me ask you another question. You can just kind of wink at me, and I don't have my glasses on because I can't tell who's winking. How many of you have dated two people at the same time? Oh, my, the the church is the confessional. Yeah, I got no way. All right. Our God is a jealous God, but some of you are two-timing God. (laughs) How many people text coming into church, driving in their car, behind the wheel? Now, I know somebody, because I see it all the time. All right? Maybe you have decided that you've forgotten about the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, God starts off with, you know, I brought you in here, I'll take you out, basically. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There is no other God before me. I worship the small God of CNN. I, I have to confess, I paid $200 for cable, but all I watch is CNN. I love Anderson Cooper. I pay over $140 for Sirius Radio and I go up and down in my work and throughout Western Maryland and down near Washington, D.C. and my Sirius Radio is on two stations, even the gospel station or you got it, CNN. (laughs) So some of you have some other small G guides that you worship, yes? Maybe it's the golf course. Maybe you're obsessed with getting your hair done and your nails done and getting manicures and pedicures. Maybe it's your, your wealth. Anyone have that small God in love with your wealth? Mm-hmm. All of us have some small God that we worship. And in this text, God has to remind the people that I'm a jealous God. And by that, God says, there should be no one else that you put before me. No one. No one else should go before God. But in this text, not only has the king forgotten, but all the people in the church have forgotten that God is God alone. And so sometimes God has to come and knock on our door and kind of say, Hello, did you forget that I'm the creator of the heaven and the earth? I separated all things. I sent my son down for you. Sometimes we forget. So in this text... I love it. We have several characters. We have Ahab, who is the king, and the text says he was the worst king. Can you imagine being the worst? He was the worst, most wretched king because he not only disobeyed God, but he worshiped Baal, which is one of those small gods within the Canaanite people, and this was the god of weather. So, in that region, you know, I I, I thought about the news. We, first three minutes, how many people have been killed? How many people have been shot? Then we hear about the weather and then we hear about the news. And maybe if there's time, we'll have a human interest story. So I think we kind of worship weather too. Don't we? Because what, what news report would you have without weather? And there's always a sports. Well, there are two of our gods right there. So Ahab is worshiping Baal, the god of weather. He marries Jezebel, bad to the bone. Any of you sisters ever read the bad girls from the Bible? They say Jezebel is bad to the bone, bad. And not only that, but Ahab is beginning, he makes an Asherah pole, which is a pole that is made from wood, and it is what um, the Canaanite people used to put outside of the altars, kind of like what we have a cross. And this was a symbol of fertility, not only for people to have children, but for people to have, uh, you know, (laughs) inappropriate relations with one another. And so God is angry. Not only that, but Ahab also builds a temple for Baal. So he has been so disrespectful to God. The God says, guess what? Because the church... Wants to worship this Baal, God of weather, God of rain. Guess what? I'm going to show you who's bad. I'm not going to let it rain for three years. And he says to the prophet, go and tell the people that it will not rain except at my word. Except at my word. And then God does something really crazy. He tells the prophet to go down to this ravine called the Kareth. And he's there for about a year and a half. But guess what? This stream only has water a certain season of the year. So for at least 12 months, there is water in a ravine where there should not be water. And God says to him, you're going to be fed by the ravens. So I was running late this morning and I didn't have any breakfast food. So I decided I was going to hopefully get up here in enough time and find a Burger King or, or something. And one of my friends came down the street stopped the car and said I bought you breakfast. And I said praise the Lord. I got meals on wheels. (laughs) But in this text God says I want the ravens to feed you. They weren't supposed to. The ravens were the dirtiest. You know what ravens eat don't you? Yes. And so God says the ravens are going to feed you and you're going to get water from this brook. So he didn't get Meals on wheels, he got meals on wings. These ravens coming down and feeding him for at least a year. Please do not go by the seven last words of the church. We've never done it this way before. When God has something for you to do, when you're in God's service, he may have something special for you to do that you've never done before. And if it goes in contradiction to God's word, if you feel like it's something God is telling you to do, you ought to do it. Because he would not have been able to get to the climax of the story if he had said, what? Why? Like our kids, why? What? Just do it. When God calls you, stand up and say, here I am, Lord, use me. And this story would have ended if he had not gone to the ravine, if he had not allowed the food, God will give you the nourishment that God wants you to have. And it might not be a cheesesteak. It may not be T-bone he may tell you to suck on a chicken bone. And if God tells you to do that, what are we supposed to do? Do it. And so he is here and you've got to listen to every time that Elijah is about to move. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. So you've got to be in tune to God. You've got to be on God's radio station. So I have my phone here and because I want to take advantage of free Wi-Fi, anybody else take advantage of <laughs> I know some of you um, older business men and women used to know when we used to travel, we were paying a lot of time for minutes, weren't we? And so now it's free. So when I go in my office, automatically I've programmed my phone to hook into my work. So when I'm at work for eight hours a day, I'm not paying and using my Wi-Fi. There are two hotels I stay in most of the time when I travel about four to five times a month. And as soon as I open up my laptop and I go to Wi-Fi, boom, I'm already connected. You've got to be that connected to God. God has got to be with you at work, in your retirement, on the golf course, in your social clubs, here at the church, around your dinner table. When you get together for Thanksgiving and Christmas with your families, you've got to be connected so that when the word of the Lord comes to you, you hear it. But you've got to be that connected. And so, for at least a year, he's being protected. And you see, if he had judged God, he wouldn't have been successful. You see, God was trying to protect him because everybody was mad at the prophet because they knew he was the reason, at least they thought he was the reason, they had no water. Can you imagine if we didn't have water? You all would go crazy if the lights went out in here. If the air conditioning, if we had worship with no air conditioning, wouldn't it be something in here? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine not having water for five days, six days, 40 days, 365 days, no water? No water means no crops. No crops mean no food. No food means people are dying, animals are dying, and they're all mad at this person. But God had him in a place that his enemies would never look for him. God will protect you in the presence of your enemies. He's in a place where God has kept him. And now that he's gotten connected with God in such a way, God says, get up and go from the frying pan into the fire. Because then God tells him to go to Zarephath. And this is Jezebel. Remember bad to the bone Jezebel? This is her hometown. Are you kidding? It's one thing for you all to, 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 to do these beautiful gift boxes, but it's another thing for God to say, pack up your house and I want you to go and live down in the hood on Madison Avenue where I live. Okay. That's what he says. I want you to go to Zarephath. So I've, I've hidden you. Wait a minute, God, you've hidden me from my enemies. Now you want me to go to Jezebel's home. And, and God says, there's going to be a widow woman and her son who's going to provide for you. So for another two and a half years, God is providing for the prophet in this woman who is not from the tribe of Israel. And when you listen to God, when you listen to God, it's going to be all right. And then the text says again, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And this time, God tells him to go to Ahab. What? I mean, I've I've drank out of this forsaken river. I've had to be fed by these daggone birds. I had to go to the city and I hid for two and a half years with this woman. After three years of drought and no rain, you now want me to go face to face with the king? He is truly going to kill me. But it says that Elijah went and presented himself before the king. And this is where the story gets real good. You see, the people, Ahab and all of the Baal folk, they had killed all the prophets. And so Elijah thinks he is the only prophet left. And God tells him to go. And he says, go and tell Ahab, let's meet up on this mountain and we're going to fight. God is a, remember, God is a jealous God. It's like girls, let's say we're dating two men. Let's just say, you know, just kind of pretend, right? All right. And one of the men is true. And he says, look, you it's me or it's him. And God says, to the, you need to decide today. You're going to worship me 150% in spirit and in truth or it's over. You're going to worship me or Baal. And I'm going to show you why you need to choose me because I'm the biggest. I'm the baddest. I will heal you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. That is the God that I am. And so they're up on this mountain. And and according to the text, Elijah says to the Baal worshipers, whosoever God can burn up this altar is truly the God by the words that you speak. And so they... The Baal worshipers, they create the altar of God and they run around and they're chanting and they're doing all kinds of rituals and maybe they have the Ashrod pole with them and they're doing everything, morning, noon, and night, and this thing won't even get a little flicker of fire. And so now it's God's turn. Oh, wow. It's like the last inning, okay, of the World Series and it's tied and who's going to get the home run? Who's going to get the home run? God's going to get the home run. And so the text says that Ahab tells the people to dig a trench around the fire. And they build up the wood. And then he says, let's get 12 stones for all the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he says, I want you to take some buckets of water, the water that we didn't have for three months, three years, and douse the altar. So they douse the altar with all this bucket of water. And he says, do it a second time. And they douse it again. Do it a third time. Can you imagine how angry the people were? And the text says that the water was running off of the altar. That's how much water. I mean, can you get fire out of something that you have just wet with water? Not without God. And so Elijah then begins to pray to God, and he says, Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O God, are God, that you are turning their heads back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood, it burned up the stones, it burned up the soil, and it also, I love this, licked up the water in the trench our God is a bad God isn't she oh yeah our God is a bad God and the people begin to jump up and say that the Lord is the Lord and he is our God he is the Lord and he is our God and they sat down and bowed down and they worshiped God our God is God Sometimes we begin to worship Baal. And we worship other things that are not significant. We make mountains out of molehills. We make drama when there's no drama. We stretch out a story that really wasn't worth even saying again. We've got WikiLeaks. Oh, i be so glad when this is over. We're just all about hurting and People and, and who can get one over. Let's see what, what trash I can get up on you. That's not what God wants. Is that what God wants? Does God want us to 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 not he wants us to love one another, not hate one another? We're supposed to be spreading good news, not bad news. So remember that our God is God, and God can solve, will solve any issue problem that happens in your life. The people did not know there was a drought. It just was no more rain. And this text says there was no dew. So there was nothing. God is God. And if God, the name of God, a pit can be turned to fire and the flame so hot that the wood burns and the rocks burn and it licks up Many, many gallons of water. Do you not think God can solve your problem? Hmm. I think and I know that God can. God's a healer, a provider, a sustainer, the number one lover. God loves you more than you love yourself. He forgives us of all of our sins. This is a, Another chance, God, not a second chance, because second chance just means you get one and you get another. But this is an on-time, God, and a continuous loving God allows you to—and it's okay to stumble and fall as long as we learn from it. And we ask God to forgive us and, and we get our strength. Let your faith be so loud that it can't hear the voice of doubt trying to speak to you. Let your faith be at a high volume in your ears so that you can't hear doubt and dissent and what I call the Tate families, agitate, instigate, manipulate. Just turn off the Tate family. And if I had one other sermon I would do here, I would do the funeral for I can't. I can't is dead. I can't is what? Dead. Don't say what you can't do in this church. Don't say what God can't do. Because this text is a reminder. God may have you being fed by ravens. And if he tells you to be fed by ravens, know that it's to prepare you. Because Elijah could have not stood before all those other prophets, other gods, strongly before God. If he did not have the faith and sometimes God is taking you through stages in your life because there's a battle that God only has you to fulfill and serve on behalf of him. It is not evident why the church is going through this right now, but you must trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all of your ways And God will direct your path. Amen.